A common question we often hear is, how well do children do in classical Christian schools who have learning challenges? While our guest today is well-equipped to answer that question, Leslie Collins has spent decades helping these students find success and exceed expectations. Her thoughts are helpful to all of us, whether we have children with learning challenges or not. Stay tuned to this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live, here live at the ACCS conference with Leslie Collins. How are you, Leslie? I'm doing well. Thanks, Davies. And Kelly's still here with us. I'm here. I'm, I'm not saying to... what time of day it is, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun to have Kelly actually on these episodes because, yeah. you know, we get to usually banter at the beginning and Kelly's here the whole time with us. Well, Leslie, we've known each other for years. I feel like this is our annual Connect at ACCS conference, and you've been you've been around classical education for what? It looks like 95. Is that the year I'm reading That's here? That's the year Rockbridge started, yeah. When Rockbridge started. Yeah. Wow. So were you just a how did that happen? Just right place, right time? or? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, well, I had some dear friends uh, who were starting. They were on the board of Rockbridge, and um, they were meeting to talk about th- this classical Christian school thing that they yeah. wanted to do. And they, we had a friend in our midst, um, Dave Hatcher and Kim Hatcher, have a son who has some significant disabilities. And the wow. idea was that we wanted him to be a part of the school, or they yeah. did. Yeah. And they kept wanting to pick my brain on it because I was a yeah. diehard light in the public schools uh, as a special educator and was fully on board with being a light and uh, helping to change lives. So they had an impact on me and bringing me out of that. I'm so excited we're talking about this topic of learning disabilities um, in the context of a classical Christian school. I I get a lot of emails and please send them info at basecamplive.com. Love to hear from people, questions, shout outs, all that. But one of the things that I hear fairly often are just requests for, can we talk about this topic? Mm -hmm. Because it's clearly something that you know, even when you filter out the overdiagnoses in our culture, there's still a really real group of students that how do we serve them? And I can think of one of my big rookie errors early on as a head of school. Um, I don't know it was a rookie error, but it was one of those things where working with a parent, we had a child in early grammar that was really struggling. And, you know, we did all the homework habits and even, okay, we need to discipline them more. And then believe, I'm ashamed to even admit this, but we finally figured out the child needed reading glasses. It was like, oh, oh my goodness. Like, did anyone not ask that question a little earlier on in the process? Wow. And yeah. we were geniuses because we got them glasses and everything went away. But, but I just think how often, you know, we're battling things that aren't even the battle because we don't know what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so talk a little bit about, so you've had a background in this. That is a huge question for us. Can The basic question is, hey, can a classical Christian school accommodate students with learning disabilities? What do you say when you hear that? You can if you want to. Great. If, okay. Well, thanks yeah. for being on today. <laughs> great show. Great it's, show. That's that simple. <laughs> that's a great simple answer. Yeah. Can if you want to. Most things in life. Okay. Well, walk us through a little bit of that. So, yeah. Obviously, well, it depends on what the problem is. I mean, well, yeah. And, and also, did any of us think we were equipped to start a classical Christian school? Uh, no. no. And so we could if we wanted to. And we decided that we weren't going to have to be experts on everything. We were going to, as G.K. Chesterton says, anything do- worth doing well is worth doing poorly. So not that I want to say, oh, yeah, sure, bring your kid with a disability to a school and let's do a poor job of that. Yeah. I'm saying if you really want to help uh, and you want to look past a label and look at the kid and really yeah. figure out and problem solve, then sure you can do that. Yeah. So when you just a basic question, when you think of a 
what is a disability? I mean, is because again, that seems like it right. could be a huge spectrum of things. It, it is a huge spectrum, and I would say a lot of times people are talking about learning disabilities, and those are real and they exist. If somebody has the aptitude and they're not actually meeting up to that standard in the classroom, we would say that's a learning disability. That's kind of an old school definition, but it works. Um, and so some of those look like some attention span issues and some abilities to um, have in terms of memory and short-term memory and being able to put words to paper. Those are, those are some, some areas yeah. of learning disability. But there are also other disabilities that aren't just learning disabilities, real true cognitive impairment. Um, people with Down syndrome, people with autism. There are, there are families out there that have kids with, with more significant disabilities and even physical disabilities. And I think our schools are under the impression, two things, one, we can't do it, and two, if we do it, it's compromising the standards, the ex excellent right, academic right. standards. And, yeah. and you know, 10 years ago, I gave a talk on including students with disabilities, and people weren't quite sure what to do with that. They were excited, but they were scared. 10 years later, the people are saying, ah, yes, we need to do this. We're, we're saying goodbye to so many fabulous families, and this is ridiculous. We should not be sending these kids off somewhere else. Why? We say that we're covenantal. We say that we care about the entire right. family. Why not that member? Yeah. But isn't the base problem then again, what do we mean by disability? Because I, I, I could think as an administrator, everything runs through my head. One is, can we do it? I mean, do we even have, are we even legally equipped to try to address some of these issues? I mean, at a very base, are, are we, are we at a, how do we accommodate in a classroom that we don't have multiple teacher's aides? And all? I mean, there's so many questions and layers mm -hmm. in there. And I want to get to all of these. And the other one, it would just simply be, it seems like everybody claims a disability today. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, you'll, there are families who, who have done their research on the Internet, and they know their kid, and they'll yeah. say, this is, this is who our child is, and by the way, these are the accommodations we're expecting. And so before we pay our tuition, I, we want you to understand that this 10000 or so that we are, we're spending on tuition, we expect that to cover the cost of our child's right. accommodations. And then what are you going to do to accommodate yeah. for our child? So that's a real customer service oriented. So what would be an example of, a, of an accommodation, like our kid's hyperactive, so they have to be able to do a squeezy ball all during math class? And or sit on a yoga ball. Right. Right. And I would I would say, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about what's going on here. Because yeah. prior to going through a list of accommodations as if this is a macchiato and I want to know whether or not you want skim or or whole right, milk. Right. Um, this is a child. And we need to know who this image bearer is that God has made. And so g going back to your question, what is a disability? Well, a disability is when they, uh, they as an image bearer are broken and they have significant uh, impairments that are affecting them in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing impaired, but I made it through school. Yeah. And that may or may not be an impact on the classroom. But the teachers really are the experts on when that that is beginning to impact the classroom. And so there's a process that you need to go through. So if a parent is coming to our school and saying, hey, we know that you're a small Christian school, and so basically we are figuring that if we get our kid in a small enough environment where they're loved and they're fully known, basically our disability is going to kind of go away. Mm. Um, that's a concern to me because they're not actually coming to our school for the right reason. But so it, let's put that aside and right. then talk about, but let's is, say... But is there some... I mean, I just before we leave that thought i do it does seem that there are because there's so many misdiagnosed or overdiagnosed there are kids that are my kid has add 
and they are bouncing off the walls at the big school and they come to the small yeah. classic and they actually are okay because they never really had the disabilities. That the, I guess that's the point. They well, have yeah. environmental disabilities or something. Yeah, or their perception of themselves is that I am this label and so therefore I'm going to walk out that image. Right. You are made in the image of God. You right. are capable of learning self-control. Okay. And maybe, maybe you're not ADHD. Maybe you're SMART and you are B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> and maybe we should think about those letters instead of this label. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> so, I like it. Uh, so, yeah. so it is true. It is true that a lot of disability gets pushed away when they're in an environment where they are well loved mm-hmm. and they and we know them because yeah. we know who they are. They have a name and we know how to love them and hold them accountable. It is true. The reality is, um, a classical Christian classroom is is an ideal situation for anyone, including kids with disabilities. Yeah. They're well organized. There's a strong structure of authority that is healthy and loving. Um, They're well supported in terms of having resources. All of those things and the methodology, the systematic education that we really believe in, in the classical methodology really does help because yeah. it's developmental. Yeah. And all of that describes a well-run yeah. uh, special ed classroom. So it seems like, I mean, with any diagnosis, diagnosis you've got to actually well you've got to make a diagnosis for you know what the what the remedy is going to be so i mean it seems like so what if i'm a parent i'm bringing my child in there's clearly something off do you have in-house resources at your school to be able to make that assessment do you partner with other outside organizations Mm -hmm. how do you even know how to find the baseline of what's going on Mm -hmm. well if if a student is is in our school and they're struggling. Um, generally speaking, the t- classroom teacher is going to know what are the struggles. And mm-hmm. maybe they're new, maybe they're not as seasoned and they don't know. But generally speaking, those of us who've been around, we're going to know that. Um, we have some in-house resources. We have a, a mom in our school who's a phenomenal speech therapist. And that's really my go-to response is um, we'll do a speech and language evaluation very quickly. Um, one of the ways that it works, and I, I encourage other schools to find a, a way in which they can make this work because there are probably speech therapists in every town and if they can find a Christian that they can work with then that would be wonderful give them access um, to see clients on your campus and ours is really gracious she pay we she we charge her a rent and that rent turns into hours and time of hers so we're able to I can I can know or think that I'm concerned about a kid on Tuesday tell her on Wednesday and sometimes on Friday Mm -hmm. when she sees patients and clients then uh then then I can get that assessment and by a week later yeah I can know whether or not that kid really does have a language issue and the reality is all education is language Everything that we do requires language mm-hmm. and is about them being able to speak in the language of what we're learning about. So that's a good first response yeah. to being able to get a diagnosis. And then we can find out if, that, if we should continue to pursue more. So yeah. we might send them to a local occupational therapist and find out, oh, yeah, this really is a bona fide sensory issue. Yeah. And maybe we would recommend that they get OT um, services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. And they're nearby and we, we can recommend them without any qualms. And, and we would be more than happy even to allow them to miss some class time in order to get the therapy that they need so that they can regulate their body. That sounds right. Yeah. Which is, which I love that flow. I, you know, one thing is your, so you were at Rockbridge. We talked about that. Then mm-hmm. you had a stint at Trinity Christian and Hawaii, that sounded like a nice place to mm, be. Suffering was, for the was, Lord. I know. Hawaii. And then some, for some reason you left Hawaii and went to Houston. <laughs> but I guess that was, so head of school no at, at Covenant Academy. I mean, yeah. My point, I do have a question I'm getting to here. So I'm just curious, what percentage in a typical school are students that are struggling in some way with a disability? Is that 
What, hmm. What's your sense of what that looks like? Well, I think, honestly, I think the percentage is actually higher than some of our classical Christian schools want to believe. Uh, that's I what think, I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what the, what the stats are, but I, mean, I, I know. Having been in these three schools, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, what's your, if you had to pick a number, I think there are a lot like, of undiagnosed kids. And I think, yeah. I think that what happens, too, is there are a lot of undiagnosed parents. And they <laughs> intuitively say, if I had this, if I had a school where I was loved and known, if I had teachers that were this on top of it, mm. if I had a classroom that was that well run, if I had these resources, then I would have been successful. And you know what they may have been, but they also may be undiagnosed. Mm. And if we are really methodical and good at, at, at teaching and instructing and assessment, which mm. we should be as part of the seven laws of teaching, if we're really good at that, then we're going to see some of the ways in which those kids struggle. And then we might start asking questions and getting information. And so dyslexia is one that's a hot topic. Um, among a lot of the educators that I talk to, and uh, the, the national statistic is that it's one in five. Mm. Um, I think it's a little higher at some of our schools. Mm. I think a lot of those parents were undiagnosed. They, mm. they start to be intrigued, if I had this. And, and truth is, I think there are a lot of kids with dyslexia and adults with dyslexia who never get intervention and within our school systems are okay, and then others need it. Um, they may have more severe issues with it, and they need it, and they need that intervention quickly so that they can get back into really learning. Yeah. Can I ask a, a question that's somewhat related? I'm thinking I'm putting my parent hat on now. And so, okay, I've got a teacher who's done a good job of assessing. I've got parents who understand there's an issue, and I've got an understanding administration. But how much is this going to affect my kid in the classroom? How much, how, to what level um, are there, are some of these instances where now, the other students in class have to participate mm-hmm. in making sure that special need is met. Okay, so you, but you're the when you're putting your parent hat on, you're the parent of a kid who a does kid. not have a disability. Correct. So right. I'm, well, I'm, I'm Sally and Johnny in the seats yep. next to him, and how much do I have to Give participate to help in helping? Johnny. Yeah, not, yeah. And not just even in time. That's but a good question. What mm-hmm. am I doing to cooperate with that? Whoops, cooperate with that teacher to help mm-hmm. to yeah. help. Well, one of the one of the essentials of our starting the 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 ministry, if you will, um, at Rockbridge um, with students who who have disabilities was we said it has to be at the expense of no one, and we didn't mean financial expense. What we meant was nobody has to be, as as uh, President Bush said, left behind. There, no one can be left behind because of this decision that we've made to support this kid with a disability. Which means that every time we agree as a school to say yes, we will support that kid, that we are saying at the expense of no one at Mm. the expense of no one that we can't leave anyone behind now here's the thing is kids who do not have disabilities grow in virtue well i was gonna say there's some value even if it did cost something right there's still a value as well tremendous they they learn they learn what it is to Um, be patient with others they learn what it is to really I think I'm struggling but I just watched them Mm -hmm. and they had it mastered when they were sitting at that seat Mm -hmm. and they walked over there and it's no longer mastered and I just watched that and yet not a shred of dignity has been left from them because they're they're made in God's image and we're going to figure out how to help them and those kids can even be challenged like oh my gosh exactly (laughs) this person can overcome that exactly I need to stop complaining but (laughs) but let's also be be mindful that we don't want to treat them as our cute little pets so that Mm -hmm. is a temptation Oh, well, yeah, you know, everyone grows in virtue when we have kids with special needs in our school because, you know, they're They're so special. They're they're sinners and and they struggle (laughs) in the areas that we do. But but 
that it's the act of love, it's the mm -hmm. act of self-sacrifice, it's the act of making their world understandable that we step out of ourselves and are able to lay our lives down and say, I will do whatever it takes to make you successful. Yeah, that's really good. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back. Leslie, when we come back, I want to go back to, you had mentioned this idea of, you know, often we have like generational disabilities. I mean, where parents were undiagnosed and I, I'm, I'm curious how much of it's actually, you know, in the, in the uh, environment and how much of it's really even like genetic. It depends on the mm -hmm. issues the families are facing, but that's, that seems like a double bind. You've got a parent struggling with the very thing that the child is and it's maybe they don't understand it, but let's take a break. And we'll come back. I want can't wait to hear your answer to this. Hey, Kelly, it's a break here in the middle of our Basecamp Live podcast, and I just want to take a moment and convey to everyone listening how much I appreciate hearing from people out there. It really is encouraging to know who's listening and where and what state of the world they are with regard to classical education. It is hugely encouraging. It is. I mean, I don't mind just talking to you, but it is good to hear from other people. So thank you for all of you who've taken just a moment and dropped us an email, info at basecamplive.com. Some of you are emailing just to say um, hello, which is great. Some of you are... Um, telling your stories. And that's really a blessing to us. A lot of you who just say, I want to tell you my story personally, or as our school is transitioning into classical Christian, we want to know what's happening in your world. Um, for some of you, it'd be great to get you on the Climber series, but it's, a, I'm humbled. I mean, literally we are getting emails, got one just last week from a classical Christian school in North Africa. I'm not even allowed to say where, because they're in a pretty challenging environment mm. but blessings to these guys they looked all around at various forms of education and said this is what mm. we need to do to affect change for christ in this part of the world well and, and again the whole notion of base camp right is we're getting together we're you know kind of stocking taking stock and figuring out what we can do to help each other out there's a couple conferences this summer you're going to be yep. at there's some more opportunities there yeah we're going to be on the road if you're attending the accs conference uh please join us we're going to have an entire stage set up kelly you're going to be there with me we're going to literally we've never done this before it's going to be just like a rolling live we're gonna have a live audience i don't know we'll probably do a dozen podcasts so wow. it will be a lot of great interaction uh, there at the conference, and then we'll be at the SCL conference in Austin this summer, so getting around these great gatherings of classical Christian folks. But please drop us an email. We'd love to hear your story, and we'd love to uh, be of support to you. I'm increasingly doing more and more just consulting and coming alongside schools, so uh, reach out to us, info at basecamplive.com. Welcome back to Basecamp Live here live with Leslie Collins, and we're talking about they often ask questions around disabilities in our children and how does that play out in classical Christian schools. But I was just before the break very curious. Um, we know about generational sin and brokenness. A lot of times we as parents have, have lived life somehow learning to cope and manage around things that we never even knew were a disability we had. And then we raised children up and I don't know if it's in the gene pool or if it's just the home environment. But what do you do in those instances where you almost realize, gosh, the apple didn't fall far from the tree and that little apple there is because mama apple here has got a challenge too. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's interesting. And so it's a real privilege. And sometimes if you... I think becomes really skilled when you're when you're doing your family interviews and and as a team we start to say oh that's that's a flag okay that's a flag that's a flag and after a while you realize oh you know what I think we're talking about 
the, the mom or dad you know, may have had dyslexia and, and it, it would appear based on the things that they're explaining mm. to us about their story. And how many of us, when we're, when we're talking about becoming part of a classical Christian school, we share our story, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you, if, you're, if you're listening well and you're asking probing questions and, and then you might spend a lot more time as you're seeing those flags. And yeah. not, as, not as a, ultimately when you're, when you're trying to admit a family to your school, your question is not, why should we let you in? And you, although there is a, a value to that. Your, your question is, are you, do, are you a good fit for mm-hmm. our school? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the child um, having a disability should be a factor in yeah. that. I think that our, our factor should be, are you able to partner with us in what we're doing? And so then as we get, begin to hear the family story and we begin to realize, okay, yeah. so that mom really sounds like she struggled. And, and then lo and behold, the, the irony is that if, if their child has been struggling with executive functioning, you're going to see that yeah. in the whole process of admission because mm-hmm. they may forget things or misappointments yeah. and then you go, oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of working itself as out. As we were saying, the executive functioning is one of the, it's, it's one of the more common concerns you hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people are well aware of and I'm glad that, I'm glad it, there, that resources exist that people can research that. Executive functioning is the ability of our, our mind to control all of the places we're, we're supposed to put our attention and mm-hmm. our task order. So a child who has a very strong executive functioning um, skill is going to be able to manage their classes, they're going to be able to manage their homework, going to be able to manage their materials, and somehow wind up in the right seat at the right time. And some kids struggle with that, and that's something that we're seeing a lot of. So So moms might come in and say, my kid has executive functioning disorder. And so when I think, again, disability is such a massive topic, but I'm thinking so many of the things that we contend with are really the byproducts of the environment in which our kids have been. We've either put them unknowingly or, you know, whether it's executive functioning is is a result sometimes of Again, maybe not having the most structured home life or, or maybe too much technology. Or I mean, are, are you seeing a lot of this is just environmental? That's it can be environmental. The truth is that how do we, how does the, you know, the neuroplasticity of the brain is a remarkable thing. And so at no point is there a, a human being that can't learn something. Everyone can. Um, and it is true that we can, we can learn and unlearn things. And so it, how do, how do young minds learn to manage time, material, and space is by having chores and by having responsibilities and expectations. And it is true that many times in our culture we see parents afraid to give those responsibilities to kids. And so, therefore, we're seeing a decrease in kids who come into school with right. those skills. And it's probably a catch-22 because if their child's already struggling, then it's like, well, I'm going to cut them some slack. I don't want them to have to do chores. And it's so much work. Yeah. It's so much work to get Johnny to do his chores because now I have to do all of mine and, and right. chase Johnny around to do that. <laughs> right. But there are some kids, I do want to make sure that we're clear, there are some kids whose parents have done all that they should yeah, and yet the kid still has a deficit. So I do not want anyone to hear if your kid has a disability, you know, do Freud was right and yeah. it's all your fault. Right. And I don't no, want a, people to I'm glad to you that. clarified that. So, so, what are the, so when we can think about what resources a school can realistically provide again I, I almost feel like we need a whiteboard with like this spectrum on it so I mean obviously mm-hmm. if it's just some mild accommodation all the way to down syndrome like how how do we determine what we can do sure well I think the school has to decide what they want to do so for us for instance we have four levels of support that we've worked out and a, a fee structure and a time structure so that we can figure out how to manage this and and it, it really isn't about oh okay if this kid has this disability then we do this or if this kid has that disability then we do that it's about what does this kid need in order to be successful? What are we seeing? And what true bona fide research do we have that we are in agreement with yeah. um, that, that 
tells us that this is the right thing to do and and are we willing to try and fail yeah. because that you have to there's education is is a process of learning and all learning involves some failure and mistakes along the way so for us we have four we have the first level being mostly focused on executive functioning kids who need to check in someone to check in with them at the beginning of the day and someone to help them check out at the end of the day make sure you have everything and know what you has coming you have coming this, this day and at the end of the day what has happened and what are what is going to be expected of you by tomorrow morning so that's yeah. level one check yeah. in and check out level two is check in check out and now check on and this might be a kid who um, needs that support and executive function at the beginning and end of the day. And then actually from time to time throughout the day, they need somebody to just check on them, make sure they still have that. Did you actually get that book out of your locker? Do you have what you need? So check in, check out, and check on. That's level two. And then level three would be work with. Um, you, they might need all of that executive functioning support, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes that by level three, depending on the, the nature of their disability, they may need somebody to pull them out and work with them either in a one-on-one -on -one situation to provide some individualized instruction that they weren't connecting with in the classroom or work with them in the classroom. Mm. And it is up to the team. So we, we have a team for every kid. Um, if the kid's name is Johnny, then it's Team Johnny. And, and, and the wow. teachers who are impacting that student plus the administration and those who have expertise are involved in making the decisions and the and one thing that is very different at our school um, versus the public school system who also has an ARD team which is a special ed term, um, they have a team, uh, is that the parents have a huge voice. Mm -hmm. And we want them to be part of that solution. And um, so we'll make a decision, and our board has given us the authority to determine what they need. So, I mean, I'm just, my head is spinning, thinking this is an unbelievable infrastructure you have in place that most of our schools aren't even thinking it's about. It's actually it's, not that sophisticated. Well, it's, it sounds, I mean, I guess maybe, help me with that, because it sounds like, and maybe I'm just being the overwhelmed administrator, like, oh my goodness, we're just trying to get the test graded for the regular <laughs> kids, much less a four-tier infrastructure so how do you you mentioned different fee structures I mean so are there certain kids that, because obviously it's going to generate needs for more attention and more staffing mm -hmm. and so yeah. what does that look like so we have a couple of teachers and depending on their their caseload for that year in terms of the yeah. courses that they're teaching or um, or what uh, I will I will say okay I'd like you to, to provide some student support and of course I match that to their personality and giftedness yeah. uh, but we have um, a director who makes sure that everybody has what they need and, and is the lifeline and the go-to person for solving problems and answering questions and I, I certainly am not going to you're not going to keep me from helping so <laughs> that's important to me as well and then we have some an assistant who works with the kids and wow. and so and that's when you're if you're in a public school situation which would probably be the most intense level of resource available that's typically the the case you're going to have one teacher yeah. who is managing other teachers or helping them to understand how to problem solve and then you're going to have someone who is an assistant who may be a college graduate may not be that's yeah. pretty typical yeah. so it's just about helping yeah. them. I'd love to hear, I know we have a lot of time, I'd love to hear some success stories because it sounds like this is going to generate an amazing outcome in a lot of lives of students. So yeah. can you think of some students that were kind of before and after? And oh, wow. Well, <laughs> um, I'm sure there are many. We, yeah, it's, it's really precious to see um, students who've, whose families have been positively impacted and, and those who are in the classroom without a disability and then those who are in the classroom and see the way their families have been impacted. Um, so a success story to me would be that there is um, this sweet, precious family 
they have a, a sweet little girl and she has charge syndrome and um, what was it again charge syndrome it's okay. it's a whole and actually i probably couldn't spout it off for you but what it means is that this family from the from the moment that she has come into the world this family has been overwhelmed with surgeries disability oh, wow. the need for services the need for therapy the need for intervention and, and significant support that they receive from the church but when they were looking for a school they wanted her to be in a Christian environment, but they were concerned. Can you actually help my kid? Can you actually provide an education that, that will give her what she needs? And it's just been a blessing to see her. She's in third grade now, and, and it's been always a challenge to make sure that we're getting her what she needs. Um, but ultimately, what does she need? Ultimately, she needs um, someone who knows her, someone who loves her, someone who's committed to her. Um, and when she was in second grade, her parents were wondering, should we put her in public school where they have more resources? Um, and the public school came and they were very friendly. They came and observed our school and they came back and were getting ideas from us on mm. what should be on her public school IEP because they realized that what we were providing was really good intervention. And really what they were trying to do in public school with all of their resources was mirror what we were providing mm. in the classroom. Mm. Wow. And, and you know, they were drooling over our <laughs> campus and our people and, and just the love and the, the peace and, and the um, passion with which we were loving on this sweet little girl. And so she's doing well. But the better than that is the families, in the, all of the children are at our school. And it's not right. just, you know, can, you, can, can we hang on to this one kid? But that yeah. whole family, yeah. they have a responsibility. Mm -hmm. They have been called by the Lord to educate their children in the fear and nurture of the Lord. And, and it, we don't render any of that to Caesar. Right. And that's what's to me so beautiful about the effort you're, you're making because I think a lot of times I've lived that so many times with a wonderful family comes and the first three kids really fit well and that fourth child is just wired differently and we don't know how to meet their need and then it breaks the family up and they're driving two carpool things and life gets bifurcated and yeah. we've, not, we've not done anything to serve them. So I think what a gift to a family to have a sensitivity to, to that wide range of needs. Well, um, I, what... what it actually gets me pretty infuriated is when I'll hear that administrator has said in that situation, well, you know, classical isn't for everyone. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because we're talking about <laughs> what causes children to thrive yeah. and to, to flourish as human beings. It, to me, that's such a tragedy. We, in fact, we've got another interview with our gentleman who's serving in a very challenging area in China. We've got families and we've got schools in inner cities. Yeah. We have schools in broken third world countries and yet we can't figure out how to do this in suburbia yeah. because a child has a slight yeah. learning challenge. And and don't even begin to come and tell me, oh, well, Leslie, you know, the, the real issue is we just don't have the money. Yeah, really? Because I guarantee you there are millionaires yeah. in your city. Yeah. That you could say, hey, we have this kid and they have this disability and this family is yeah. really struggling. Would you mind supporting us yeah. by helping us to pay for this assistant? And Really? Yeah. You think they're going to say well, no? Again, I mean, just purely in a business standpoint, again, you're not losing that fourth child, which may cause you to lose the whole family. And I wonder how many families you're attracting. I'm assuming word is out. Like no, if, I don't. Mm. Oh, no, no. <laughs> hey, everybody, take your kids down to... <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to put that on the marketing material. <laughs> no, we don't. Just I, got uncomfortable. I'm just, <laughs> but I'm thinking that could really be, I mean, in a good way. I mean, you could well, really don't want to take that on, but I'm saying I think there's obviously some needs. So. It is, but let's keep within the, the yeah. natural parameters of, of the population. So 
So if so, we've just kind of said um, disability. If we were to guess, I mean, it's yeah. not you can't really guess. But if we were to say, let's say that uh, people, kids with disabilities, represent about ten percent of our school population. Yeah. yeah. So for us, we're a small school. Yeah. Fourteen. For, that leaves us about fourteen kids. Yeah. That we can provide services for, and and it not become a special ed school. Right. I worked in a special ed school. I love. I am. I sure. Am, those are my peeps. I love yeah. kids with disabilities. Yeah. But kids with disabilities, through all of research, learn best yeah. when they are in part of a class of kids who that's are right. typical. To, Ke- to Kelly's point, and it's and it's a blessing back to the other kids that are in there. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's an amazing thing yeah. that we should be looking for in the classical yeah. Yeah. world. Right? Is what can we do that demonstrates how we are yeah. distinctively Christian as well? Mm-hmm. well and, right? I, and I've heard so. that from. You know, often not only from ch- children with learning disabilities, but children from different backgrounds. And in terms of here, they are in this rhetoric program and rich discussions. And but all of a sudden, you've got a totally different perspective in the room. It's really helpful to have yeah. to make that richer. So. And let me share another story. We have this sweet gal. Um, she was adopted um, through the CPS. So meaning she was taken from her home because wow. it wasn't a, a safe place for her. Mm. And she was adopted by this wonderful Christian family when she was in first grade and her older sister, uh, I think was in sixth grade. Um, and same biological mom, um, different biological dads. And um, the, the, this young girl's mom, um, at the time of her pregnancy appeared to have been struggling with alcohol addiction. Mm. And so this young woman is for the rest of her life living with what we think is fetal alcohol wow. syndrome, though we don't have history. So in first grade, we knew very little about her. Her language was actually more of a toddler level than a young first grade girl. She wasn't able to do the reading that everyone else was doing. Mm. And it took us a long time. We got her into speech therapy and, and we're working aggressively with that. But we knew for a long time, we weren't going to really know what mm. was what was going to be the result of this young young yeah. girl's uh, education. So she, this year she got into seventh grade, and she's reading. She's work, we have a reading interventionist who's working with her and getting her as as close as we can to grade level as possible. Yeah. We still don't know what she's capable of, but she is only one year behind her peers in math. And That's we're and she has some one on you know our, our phenomenal math teacher um, is a fabulous teacher and loves working one on one with kids. So when she has one of her periods where she's off, I make sure she has time and we try to schedule that. Um, but here is this young girl. Now, if you were in the middle of a service project that our kids are doing, either a house project or our school project, you are not going to know that this girl mm. is struggling with fetal alcohol syndrome. In fact, you're going to see one of the hardest on target, focused young women wow. that you'll see in that whole group. And and she will be the ones who will call her, her peers out to say, hey guys, we're not supposed to be gossiping. You should stop that. <laughs> so how would we say no to this family? Right. You've done this beautiful thing. You've adopted two beautiful young women and you are tra- bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, except that one is too difficult. And the reality mm-hmm. is, it's all about problem solving. Mm-hmm. Administrators eat problems for breakfast. So <laughs> just decide that you're going to figure out the solution to these problems and assume that that solution is not babysitting wow. filled the time. Wow. Well, Leslie Collins, thank you for your inspiration, encouragement. I know there are a lot of families listening saying, this is super good news. I think there's a place for my child in a classical Christian school and for administrators. I don't know, maybe we're feeling a little bit more like, oh, man, we got to go back and <laughs> kind of have a little more honest reflection on this because I think we may be missing some opportunities to really reach some great families. So thank you for your inspiration and encouragement. Thank you. It's my very pleasure. Valuable. Thanks for all that yeah. you guys do. Yeah. Very valuable. Thank all you right. very much. We'll have you back on again. Thanks, Leslie. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Basecamp Live. You know, raising the next generation of young people isn't easy, but we'd like to offer you some opportunities to join your fellow travelers in this journey of ancient future education. Hey, Kelly, you know what's really exciting? We just added to the website, basecamplive.com, a whole section that's uh, designed around getting the word out. It's called Start Here. If you're new, it tells you how to get fully subscribe to it. If you're a school leader, um, you can you can link on to your school website and kind of get updates every time we do a new show is released. It appears on the school website. That's kind of that's kind of exciting. And, and one of the things that I'm really excited about is this new climbers idea that we're putting together. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just simply we want to hear stories. I mean, the, what, what I'm humbled by are the number of people literally around the globe who are saying there is a better way to raise the next generation, and they're jumping in whatever their context is. And we want to know what you're doing and kind of how you discovered this. And we're just going to create some kind of smaller little vignettes of stories of people. And uh, so, yeah, info at BasecampLive.com. Let us know what your story is. Yeah, we don't have to do this alone. Info at BasecampLive.com. That sounds great. All right. Thanks for joining us and see you at the next episode. Well, Leslie, we are still, um, there are so many things that we want to talk about on this topic. And I'm going to, we're going to go to what we call the backside, which mm-hmm. is just an opportunity for folks to hear uh, more about um, really the, as we think about adoption, which is a huge issue affecting a lot of families. So we're going to take a break and come right back on the base side, the backside of, of base camp and, and go into this great topic. So I'm going to encourage listeners to stick around. Well, welcome to Basecamp Backside here with Leslie Collins. Leslie, let's keep talking about this important um, dis- discussion that we need to be having in our schools of what do we do with students that are facing learning challenges. And obviously for a lot of students, um, in our, one, one of the wonderful things God calls us to do is to be in the lives of orphans and to mm-hmm. adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times I know families welcome a child into their home and they don't maybe even fully know the full background of the child only to discover later there's some things that maybe happened early on that are affecting mm-hmm. their ability to be successful in the classroom. So Absolutely. And in fact, I would say that uh, although uh, most children come into an adoptive home and it's a wonderful, healthy environment, even kids who come into that home at birth actually do have some struggles. Uh, and some of that is just the nature of all human beings struggling with our identity and our adoption as, as sons and daughters of the king of, of, of heaven but the reality is that that affects them in the classroom so they'll um, they'll struggle now let's just say we're talking about a child who came from an orphanage in another country and they're they're definitely having some language barrier issues and they're dealing with a lot of issues in how to orient themselves into a, a classroom and, and a culture in that way and it, it's really important for us to know how to love them well in the midst of that yeah that makes sense so you're so we're talking about even students that are um, maybe um, yeah, adopted in infancy could still have mm-hmm. be impacted. Some Absolutely. Way. So I've, I've had the privilege of counseling a lot of moms through um, the adoptive process, some birth moms who've placed their children through adoption. And I guarantee you that every single mom who's placed a child for adoption is highly stressed. Mm-hmm. And there's some research to show, there's some studies that have been done that that, that level of stress that she's living with pr- uh, creates a space um, in, that, in that child's life where they're dealing with that stress. Right. And, they, and that's something that has to be worked out. And some people may just agree with that um, but having known children who've been adopted as adults yeah. then you you know you understand they they really are they struggled with their yeah. identity and and they really needed to be ministered to in a way that's particular to their situation and I think that God calls right. us to do that so again just for those of us that not living this every day there's obviously potential challenges for the infant that's adopted that mm-hmm. is you know could be in first or second grade and there starts to be manifestations right. if they maybe were in an environment like you said where they weren't 
held enough um, in those critical early years. But then you can have maybe a fairly um, well-adjusted adopted child that then in their middle school years, when they're starting to come to this idea of who am I, is now hitting another level of just cognitive sense of like I'm I'm different than the rest of these people in my family. Sure, sure. And that can cause distress it brings in the classroom. Absolutely. And how do you handle that? Well actually you handle that in the exact same way that you handle every other human being. <laughs> That's uh, good to know, yeah. <laughs> so so what they what they lacked um, at that time, uh, if it's a child who uh, came from an orphanage for instance, they lacked the that that mom holding them and looking them into their eyes and ministering to them. But a kid who was adopted at birth, um, they typically didn't lack that. However they may have been in a two-week period in another another home, mm. which, let's be honest, that really does interrupt the bonding that they had with their adoptive parents. And so the way that you handle that is the same exact way that our Heavenly Father has handled our separation from Him. He entered into our world. He calls us by name. He enters in and gives us a voice in His life um, and what He's doing. He touches us. Um, he looks into our eyes and he gives us boundaries. Mm. And so I, when I'm teaching, I teach those five things. Um, that's the first thing you do. Enter, eyes, voice, touch, boundaries mm. every time. And if you do that for every time that you're interacting with somebody and figure out, okay, so how do I enter into their world? How do I look them in the eye? That means you get down. Hosea 11, God bends down mm. to feed his children and he calls them by name and he calls them in and he touches them tenderly. And then he cares for them and then he says, but don't do this. Yeah. He does all five of those things in yeah. Hosea 11. That's what you do. So when you're dealing with a kid who is struggling, how do you how do you receive that that disobedience that how do you respond to that do you just condemn it and give them a huffed look and first of all i hope nobody would do that but let's be honest we're human yeah. or do you condition yourself to say i am going to handle this in the way that my heavenly father has handled me i'm going to enter into the world now let me pay attention to what's going on here oh you know what they're really being very um, competitive. I- I'm wondering, maybe they're yeah. struggling with identity. Let me let me minister to them in that way. So I could see uh, some parents maybe who have adopted who are trying hard to not differentiate their children, and maybe they have that uh, for start of your parent-teacher conference, and they're struggling with, should I even tell this teacher that this child's adopted? Because I could see like that. Maybe they're thinking that's going to make it worse, but you would encourage them to say, let me tell you their story. If the child knows, I would absolutely okay. say they should celebrate that. They should, we should be celebrating adoption. Yeah. And we have a, uh, one of our teachers at our school is adopted and uh, has she had, by God's grace, three kids in her class that were adopted. That's and great. they just celebrated that. Yeah. They read a lot of stories about that. They talked about that. It's a blessing. And there's so much in scripture. We're all adopted. That's right. not a shame. But just to be able to give that I, I mean, what I'm hearing you say is that it's oftentimes our ability to be sympathetic or empathetic comes from our ability to know the story. So yeah. if we don't even know that that child had that history, we don't even know what we're dealing with. And right. we might get frustrated if they're misbehaving. Right. So. And or, or even get frustrated by um, the cattiness of a, of a, a little girl who is, is really competitive with her peers and she's really just trying to set herself apart. Well, if you pay attention to that long enough and I you could accuse me of being too psychoanalytical but if you're really paying attention you're like oh I think you're really struggling and and that is like who you think you're supposed to be yeah. let me let me give you a better more virtuous yeah. model of who you're supposed to. now that's not a five-minute conversation yeah. that's a ministry of yeah. a year with that kid so there's you had some stories you want to share too I want to hear yeah so so an example um there's a 
a sweet little boy um, who was adopted. Uh, I think he was adopted somewhere around the age of eight. Uh, we're not actually sure how old he is. There are no records. Um, by God's grace, he was brought into this precious family in our, in our school, and they just wanted to bring this child into their home and transform his life. And in the process, they actually were transformed, which, right. of course, any family who's been in the adoption process knows that. It's a two-way that. street, yeah. So uh, he came in, and he was, uh, as, as it appeared to be old enough to go into the second grade. We're not quite sure how old he is. He does not speak English. We have him in the classroom. We have an assistant that's sitting with him because at this point, we can tell this kid, he was the kid that was running down the streets of India, and he was the one that all the kids were following. I mean, you can just tell. He would run into our playground area and start doing backflips and all kinds of acrobatics, and you're looking at this kid. You're like, wow, you're amazing. You're really smart. You're really watching this crowd. You are engaging everybody, and that actually could be really problematic in the classroom. <laughs> you might actually be a class clown I mean, and of course yeah. he's done all of those things sure. and so just working with that family and trying to love this kid and help them to understand how to love him mm -hmm. well in this process now it's years it's not it's not one year we gave grace and essentially just said you know we're not going to do grades for you we're taking all of that off this kid is a performance junkie and and if we are not careful we are going to confuse him that academic success equals virtue and that academic success right. equals <clears throat> you being loved and so it's things like that it's looking at the heart of the child to the best as we're humanly capable and saying how do we how do we love you not just for this year and not for this moment to keep right. you busy but for this decade that's right that's really being being aware of the student that God's put in front of you. I mean, that's the basic story. Mm -hmm. And so when we're dealing with learning this difficulties and other things, it's, it's reverse engineering back to what's really behind that. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Other stories you want to tell? Or yeah, yeah, well, yeah. here's a, an example. So there's this precious young girl who was adopted. Um, she came into our school in the first grade, and she had been uh, in a very difficult situation. So uh, it, I think it was a lineup in, in its first grade, and one kid got into her space, and so she pushes them back really hard. The kid falls to the floor. This girl's a lot stronger than she realizes. She's not even sure what she did. Uh, her apology, eh, not, so, not so effective. And the teacher comes to me, this is what happened, oh my goodness. And it was a mid-year um, admission, so mm -hmm. so she was a new kid. And immediately the teacher's thinking, oh my, what have we done? What I'm thinking, what have I done? And my response at that time was to uh, do the go through the discipline policy as it was written. You know, that's why we have policies. And so I, because she brought such harm to the other child, because she, she didn't show great restraint, I just went through the next uh, step and this wonderful mom in our school who was a friend of this adoptive mom in a very gracious loving and humble manner came and said look I just want to support you mm. but I just want to let you understand a little bit more about the adoptive world and she connected me with um, some of the information regarding Karen Purvis and the connected child and I, I appreciate that work I don't agree with everything in her book some of her book is contrary to scripture but a lot of it is very scriptural and yeah. so it's really good to, to um, test everything and hold fast to that which is true but that was really helpful in looking at the heart of the connect the child yeah. who's adopted and connecting with that child so this young girl um, 
she was struggling because this kid was in her space and I reacted with a black and white policy mm. um, rather than finding out what was going on. Now, I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I would actually do something else. I'd probably give her some, some opportunities to build some trust back with that child and help her understand how to rebuild that relationship, how to rebuild her relationship with her teacher rather than just, just you do this, bring down bam, the hammer. here's right. the, yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's just a growth process <clears throat> for us and yeah. I think it's really important for us to be engaging with our parents and understanding, you know, we as administrators we're doing the best we can yeah. but if we are doing our jobs well parents are going to feel comfortable coming to us and saying hey <laughs> can i share this with you yeah. and then we can learn yeah no it's definitely a team effort so so leslie you guys are doing such important work um, and i know there are probably people listening that are thinking I've got more questions. How do I get in touch with Leslie? So how do people find you? Well, that's so kind of you to say that. Um, we're happy to take any questions and help anyone. We, we just love what, what God is doing in the work. Um, you can get in touch with us with Covenant Academy Cypress, covenantcypress.org. Covenantcypress.org. Okay, great. Well, we, uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on and Thanks, talk Davies. more about this. Thanks, Thanks so much. Okay.